way back at the start of summer, I uh, shared this verse from Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And this verse, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, is the, is the fulcrum verse, is the foundation verse of the whole of the book. And uh, what we learnt is that true knowledge, seeing the universe as it truly is, starts with the fear of the Lord, seeing God as he truly is. That's what Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 means. Now, now fear, it doesn't only mean terror or dread, but of course... It does mean that, but it doesn't only mean that. It also refers to this sense of reverence and awe, and it's this reverence and awe that brings about love and worship. And all of this is encompassed in this this, uh, phrase known as as the fear of the Lord. There is this element of fear. um, It's this kind of fear of the unknown, someone who is so much greater than us, that he's someone that we cannot wrap our minds around. But the reverence and the awe side of it is because he has made himself known to us, and that knowledge of who he's revealed himself, that's what inspires love and worship. Yesterday I was, I was uh, spending time in prayer, and as I meditated on God's character and his capabilities, um, I felt like I was being taken to the edge of a precipice. Okay, it was, uh, it was quite nerve-wracking. And I felt overwhelmed with love and uh, with, with adoration. But I also felt nervous um, because when we open ourselves up to the expanse of who God is, we do have these moments when we're shaken to our core, when we know that we've, ex- that we've encountered someone um, who is wild but is good, Someone who will not be tamed by our preconceptions. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And I remind ourselves of the key verse of the whole of the book of Proverbs because our key verse for our sermon this morning also talks about, talks about the fear of God. And we, remind, we have to remind ourselves what fear is in order to understand it. So let's turn to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. Proverbs 8, verse 13. Let's read this all together. Proverbs 8, verse 13. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Now, we started our series uh, talking about how wisdom... And if you were here, maybe you remember, but wisdom is all about foundation and location. It's about geology and geography. And I asked the question, is Jesus your foundation and is Jesus your location? If so, you're in a good place to experience wisdom. We then zeroed in on anger, specifically getting holy angry with unholy anger. And we learned that Satan has taken God's gift to us, which is our sense of justice, and he's weaponized it against us as unholy anger. And so I counseled us to live a life that outsources vengeance to God, that, that we, we don't take vengeance upon ourselves, but we instead we outsource it to God. And the way that we get 
holy angry with unholy anger is by loving our enemy and by praying for them and by blessing them. We then shifted our focus to work, to workaholism and to laziness, and we learned that the question, why do you do, matters much more than the question, what do you do? And when we choose to live as workaholics, we are twisting God's gift of work. But when we live lives of laziness, we're twisting God's gift of rest. Instead, we are to live a life of balance as exemplified by Jesus Christ. We then looked at honesty. And the simple thought was that honesty equals relationship because we learned that honesty is God's language. And if we want to relate to God, then we have to speak his language. And so you can either keep silent when when you're under the conviction of sin. You can choose to keep silent and feel God's heavy hand on you. Or you can know the joy of God cleansing you of the guilt of your sin, leading to an unhindered relationship with him. But that only comes through honesty. Last week, we, uh, we camped on this concept of, of, of wealth, that in God's kingdom, the poor find privilege and the prosperous find purpose. And, and God wants to redefine money in our minds and hearts, specifically how we value money. Because we... We are the ones who give money its value. Money does not give us our value. Our value has already been determined on the cross. But we do live in a world where money is needed in order to get things done. And so we can have a valuable part in God's kingdom coming by using the resources that he's blessed us with for his purposes. Now this week, we're, we're, we're diving deep into, into this into this monster, into this, into this beast, into this sin that many people say is at the root of every other sin. This is the sin that caused Lucifer to fall and become Satan. This is the sin that caused Adam and Eve to eat the fruit and introduce the infection of sin into the world. This is the sin that gets you and I way more times than we would like to admit. And that sin is pride. Now, I looked for pride-related memes, and I stopped on this one, and I didn't have to go any further. Because it says here, I struggle with pride. I get prideful from being willing to admit that I'm prideful. Which is, and, that, and that just sums it all up. Uh, I struggle with pride. I get prideful from being willing to admit that I'm prideful. And here's our one thing for this morning. Pride is madness. Embrace the sanity of God's love. Pride is madness. Embrace the sanity of God's love. Let's say that all together. Pride is madness. Embrace the sanity of God's love. Eh? We, we forgot the offering. Well, as I'm preaching, tell us, thank you very much. Feel, feel free to wander inobtrusively amongst us and uh, receive our offering for this morning. Thank you. Lord, would you bless this money, and may it be a lot. Amen. So, uh, so pride is pride is sneaky because it's the one sin that tries to to convince us that it doesn't exist. Okay, how many times um, have you lost? your temper, and you know that you've lost your temper because you can see the proof, you can see the evidence, right? 
How many times have you stolen something and you know that you have because you can see the proof, you can see the evidence? If I've thought about someone in a sinful way, then I know it. But if I'm proud, then I will fight until my last breath to maintain my understanding that I'm not proud. I don't want to be proud. So I will, I will convince you and I'll try to convince me that I'm not proud. I will fight for that. I'll say, it's not pride, it's self-confidence. It's not pride, it's a healthy view of myself. It's not pride, it's being, being a patriot. It's not pride, it's telling it like it is. It's not pride, it's sharing news with others on Instagram. And so pride is the one sin that tries to pretend that it doesn't exist. And pride is also the, the sin that tries to ex- excuse other sins. Pride is the sin that often prevents me from coming to the throne of grace where I can find mercy and help in my time of need. Pride is the sin that tries, tries to justify. Pride is the, is the sin that tries to paint myself in a better light than reality warrants. Pride is that reassuring lie that whispers in your ear that things aren't really that bad and so you don't really have to do anything about it. Just let it lie. That's pride. And yet here in Proverbs 8 verse 13, we read these very convicting words. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Now, now this verse in, um, in, in Proverbs chapter 8 uh, makes up Uh, part of a much larger speech from this lady wisdom. So this is wisdom personified as a person, wisdom in the the shape of a woman. And she says, lady wisdom says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Now, now, if you think back to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, which says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, maybe you were left wondering, well, what is the fear of the Lord? How can I know when knowledge starts if I don't know what the fear of the Lord is? Well, Proverbs 8, verse 13 clears up that mystery because the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So what this means is that we know that we're approaching a true view of God when we have a true view of sin. Let me say that again. We know that we're approaching a true view of God when we have a true view of sin. We know that that we are fearing God when we hate sin, hate evil, when we view sin like he does. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. And then Lady Wisdom, she she then carries on and she defines what um, evil looks like. She says, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and, and perverse speech. Because what happens is if we leave sin undefined, then we can make sin out to be whatever we want it to be, right? We can, we can make it into our hobby horse. We can make it into our pet peeve. That is sin. If you cross that line, then you've sinned. We, we can call anything sin and wave God's word around and feel justified. But here sin is is. Sin is identified as something specific, namely pride, namely arrogance. So the extent to which pride has a hold on your life is the extent to which you are sinning. And this is the extent to which you are missing out on knowing the true nature of God himself. So it's absolutely vital that we get this right, that we understand it. 
And so as you think on your life now, ask yourself this, have I allowed pride to infiltrate my life? Am I thinking of myself more highly than I ought? Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Do I hate evil? Do I honestly hate pride and arrogance as it shows itself in my life? Because pride is a form of madness. Pride is a refusal to view life as it truly is. Because over here, we have reality, which is God is on the throne. He's in charge. He's worthy of our worship. But what pride does, it says, no, I'm on the throne. I'm worthy of worship. I'm number one. Pride is madness. And the only way to resist it is to embrace the sanity of God's love. So we've established that that according to Proverbs 1 verse 7 and Proverbs 8 verse 1, sin is pride and pride prevents us from knowing God. But what is pride? How do we know whether we are proud or not? Here's a simple test to know whether you are proud or not. How grateful are you? Are you grateful? Are you living a grateful life? Because where gratitude exists... Where, where gratitude thrives, pride is not able to. So are you grateful to the Lord for your family? Or are you proud of how you've raised them? Are you grateful to God for your job? Or are you proud of where you got yourself? Are you grateful to God for your accomplishments? Or are you, or, or are you proud of your accomplishments? Now, maybe you reason that it was your smarts and your hard work and your work ethic that got you to where you are. Maybe you think it was your wisdom that led you to where you are. But according to Colossians 1 verse 16, it was God who gave you your smarts, your work ethic, and your wisdom. This is what it says in Colossians 1 verse 16. For in him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So from what we read in the Bible, there is nothing that we should be proud of in that sense. But there is a lot that we should be thankful for. James chapter 1 verse 17 says this. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And then we turn to James chapter 3 verse 3. James chapter 3, verse 13, which, which says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by, by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So humility means giving credit where credit's due. Pride means taking credit even though it's not due you. So let's add this into our logic so far. 
Proverbs 1 verse 7 tells us that sin prevents us from knowing God. Proverbs 8 verse 1 then tells us that, that, that sin specifically is pride. And now we know that pride is rooted in ingratitude. But this shouldn't be news to us. Here's, you know, here's a little test. If you can think of the proudest person that you can think of in your mind, okay? So I want everyone to have that person in their mind, okay? That the proudest person that you can think of. Now, ask yourself about this person. Is this person identified by thankfulness? Is this person a grateful person? Probably not. Now, another thing that the, that the proud person likes to do is to blame others. It's not my fault that I got, I got caught speeding. That stupid person in front of me was driving too slow, so I had to overtake. It's not my fault that people think I'm proud. It's just that they're jealous or lazy or weak. You see, pride by its very nature likes to excuse itself whenever, whenever possible. Okay, here's the twistedness of, of pride. Sometimes the proud person has enough circumspection to identify that they are proud, a bit like that bear at the beginning, right? I'm proud of the fact that I know that I'm proud, right? But even if you're circumspect enough to understand that you are proud, if you are proud, then it's not your fault that you're proud, no, it's someone else's fault. It's mum or dad or grandma or grandpa. It's how you were raised. It's your work. It's your family. It's your friends. It's your neighborhood. It's your country where you were raised. That this pride originated somewhere else. It's not your fault. But what does Jesus say? Turn to Mark chapter 7, verse 20. Mark chapter 7, verse 20. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. And then he lists them. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander. And here it is, pride, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from within and, and they defile a person. Now, the number of times that, that uh, Jesus says it's from within, he says it three or four times. So if you're proud and you're blaming someone else, then you're not off the hook, because Jesus clearly says that the pride comes from within. It's your fault. Your unthankful attitude is down to you. Now, I'd like to read you something, something that I read this week. It's a quotation from a book called A Practical Guide to Culture, which is great for parents. If you're trying to raise Christian uh, kids in this culture, read this book, A Practical Guide to Culture. It's marvelous. Now, this quote was actually written about virtue, but I think it works just as well with pride. This is what the quote says. Pride is someone out in the wilderness using a compass that always points back at them. Pride is someone out in the wilderness using a compass that always points back at them. So is this you? If you're sat here, is this you? Now, maybe you're still struggling with this, with this concept of pride and maybe thinking that even you could be prideful. But understand this, that pride by its nature is really deceptive. You might be infected 
and you're only just realizing it. You might be the person who's, who's described in Proverbs 30 verse 12 as pure in their own eyes and yet are not cleansed of their filth. Those whose eyes are ever so haughty, whose glances are ever so, so, so disdainful. They're pure in their own eyes and yet they're not cleansed of their filth. And so the only antidote to pride is to acknowledge it to repent of it and to start cultivating gratitude in your life. You have to starve out pride by feeding thankfulness. And how do we do this? Well, it starts with thinking of yourself with sober judgment, as Romans chapter 12, verse 3 tells us. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, For it is by by the grace given me that I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. Do not think of yourself more highly than you you ought, but think of yourself with, with sober judgment. So pride originates in you. That's what scripture said. But humility doesn't originate in you. Humility originates outside of you. And it's only acquired by faith in God. Pride is the cancer that grows inside of you, but humility is the chemotherapy pill that can only be ingested from the outside. But it leads to a life of gratitude. So, Here's the beauty of the gospel, right? When we, when, when we embrace the truth that we're loved by the supreme being of the universe, it allows us to relax and maybe get a little smile on our face and stop being like that you know, little dog, little chihuahua that's making a big noise and you know, you know, trying to make itself look so big. We don't need to do that because we're loved by the supreme being of the universe, And so embracing God's love for us is the sanest thing that we can ever do. And this alone will enable us, empower us to reject the madness, the insanity of pride. When we know that we're loved with a depth and a power and a passion and a verve and recklessness that's that's not replicated anywhere else in all creation, when we know that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, when we know that God is for us, when we know that God gave his own son for us, when we know that we have nothing to prove to God and everything to receive from him, only then are we freed from the shackles of pride. If I've internalized God's opinion of me, why do I need a second one? If I can live my life grateful to God, why do I have to claim, claim any credit myself? And it's at this moment that we can say with feeling one of the truest and the humblest verses in the Bible. Luke 17, verse 10. So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants We have only done our duty. This is true humility. Luke 17 verse 10. Finding joy in simply serving God and others. I am just a servant. I've only done my duty. But what's amazing is that it's, it's, it's to these unworthy servants of Luke 7 that Jesus says in John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. So at the same time, we're servants of Jesus and we're friends of Jesus. We are humbled and we are loved. 
Pride is insanity birthed out of a wrong view of the universe. Reject it and instead embrace the sanity of God's love. The story of Nebuchadnezzar is in the Bible because God is so so committed to us having a right view of the universe. He is a king who believed that he was self-made, that he was responsible for his success, as Daniel chapter 4.30 tells us, and God judged him. At that moment when he was right on the apex, God judged him, and he lost his reason. He became like a wild animal. He ate grass like a cow, and his hair looked like eagle feathers, and his fingers were like claws. God removed this man's pride and reason for seven years, after which he restored Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel chapter 4 verse 34 tells us the result of this horrible journey. At the end of this time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. Verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. He feared God. And God restored him. This is how, how focused God is on our well-being, on our ultimate mental health. These are the lengths to, that, that God will go to to ensure that we understand that God is God and that God is good and that God alone is worthy of our worship. You see, we were never created to bear the crown of glory. It's an ill-fitting crown, but we were created to receive the one or the love of the one who wears that crown of glory. We were created to be grateful. So I I wonder if you can imagine a scenario in which you know you are absolutely loved. There's no question. It's not a question in your mind. You know, you know, you know that you are loved. And you're and in that context, in that, in, that, uh, in that picture, you're invited into God's living room. He sees you. He has a smile on his face. He, he pats the seat next to him. Um, you know that you are welcomed. It's an incredible experience. Well, wouldn't it be the weirdest thing to sit down next to God, to know that your welcome is assured and to start bragging about what you did last week? about what your net worth is, about how many followers you have on Instagram. If, you're, if you know that you're loved and welcomed by your maker, then there is no need to prove yourself. There's no need for you to grandstand. In that, in that scenario, in that picture, as a recipient of God's love, pride is madness. But embracing God's love for you, well, that makes sense. There's this book called The Utter Relief of Holiness by, by, by John Eldridge. And that thought of, 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 of utter relief really grabs me. And yes, in that book, he's talking about holiness, but I think it can apply to humility as well. The utter relief of humility. The freedom to rest in God's full embrace of love 
in Christ Jesus. The freedom to know that there's nothing you have to prove. That the freedom in knowing that there's no way that you can impress God, so why try? The utter relief of humility, the utter relief of thankfulness, knowing that everything I have comes from my God who gives good gifts, my me coming into the world, that's a gift from him. Life is a gift from him. My, my salvation is a gift from him. Faith in him is a gift from him. My spiritual awakening was a gift from him. My sanctification is a gift from him. My calling is a gift from him. My family, my friends, my network, everything is a gift from him. So why not just say, thank you. Let me leave you with some words from James chapter 4, 4 through 10. And I'd like, to, I'd like you to listen in quiet as the worship team comes up. And I'd like you to let the Lord speak to you as you hear these words from James chapter 4, 4 through 10. And if it helps you to have your eyes closed, then... then you can do that. Just let God speak into that quiet place inside. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means, means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he's caused to dwell in us? What an amazing phrase. Do you think that scripture says without reason that God jealously longs for the spirit he's caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble, gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Amen.